Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Julie Black. She is a platinum-selling singer, songwriter, performer, international recording artist, and multiple Juno Award winner. She has collaborated with industry heavyweights such as Destiny's Child and Sean Paul, has shared the stage with superstars like Celine Dion, Elton John, and Etta James, to name a few, and as CEO of Julie Black Entertainment, Inc., Julie continues to contribute to the music landscapes that she has helped define throughout her illustrious 20-plus year career as Canada's queen of R&B soul. In November 2019, Julie returns to the musical stage production Uncovered, and early 2020 marks Julie's next highly anticipated full-length recording project titled 2020, along with her musical theater debut and starring role in the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Caroline or Change. Please welcome to the show, Julie Black. Wow, hearing about yourself is very, I'm like, I'm scanning my body to be like, oh, where, where do I feel that in my body? It's, really, it's a practical <laughs> challenge here hearing about achievements. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, it's funny every time I read a woman's bio, especially as accomplished as yourself, they're always like, wow, that sounds like a lot. But it's like, that's all you. You did that. You did that. Oh, to God be the glory. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, especially a woman like yourself with so many different titles, we have, you know, we have like mom, sister, wife, friend, singer, songwriter, all these different titles that we go by as women. But I feel like a title that's not given enough significance is our name because our names have meaning. So I would love to know, Julie, do you know what your name means? Oh my good! You know this is this is so awesome that you asked me this uh, on today. I say that on today because I just posted something on my Instagram. It was a it's just a, I took a screenshot of a, the the duration of time I spoke to my dad today. He mm. called and we spoke for forty forty we spoke for forty six minutes, which is like a, a big deal. He initiated the call. I feel like I'm I can feel the tears behind my eyes because as a child from I have a divorced parents, I always just want to hear from my dad. And so right. um, you asked me that question is very relevant and very divine because my dad named me Julianne Indira Gordon, his last name. And so he gave me the, the name Indira because he really looked up to Indira Gandhi. And at that time mm. in the 70s, he, she was a woman that she, he said she was getting it done. And, you know, first female this and that. And just, you know, as far as a power woman in the 70s. And so my my middle name Indira came from being from that my dad naming me Indira and then you know Julianne my his sister my mom had no say by the way my sister my dad <laughs> <named me> Julianne. 
<laughs> clearly. And uh, so like classic Jamaicans are like, they, you know, Jamaicans will say, bully. It's just like bully. I used to say it's bully with a J if I if if I'm not feeling you, or it's jelly with a U if I love you. So that's how you can oh, figure out how to spell it. <laughs> and then my, my parents are married, so I got the Gordon. But I'm happy you asked me that on today because Indira, um, it's funny. I, I put a blonde streak in the front of my hair on on purpose because Indira Gandhi has a gray streak in the front of her hair. So um, yeah, there it is. Great question. Wow. Great question. Wow. Yeah. Okay. See, I love to see where people's names derived from or how their parents came up with their names. And originally it was because I hated my name growing up. And the same way how you just said, you know, bully with a J, I now say to, to people, it's like bikini with an M. Um, to help them remember it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but I hated my name growing up because, you know, kids can be cruel, right? So they used to make fun of me. And as much as my parents told me that McKinney meant beautiful one, you know, there's a lot of things that our parents tell us growing up that we have to unlearn and relearn the true meaning uh-huh. of. But my name for me was one of them. And growing up, as I became an adult and I dug deeper, um, discovered that it was Swahili for strength of character. So every woman that, thank you. So every woman that comes on the show, I love to know the meaning of your name or where it comes from, or if, you know, your parents combine two people's names or, you know, the origin, because every time someone says your name, they're declaring that meaning, right? Love that. Yes. Okay. Great question. Don't ever ask (laughs) that. 20 plus years. Love Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so what I really want to know is what age did you discover that you could sing? Because I know with a voice like yours, that had to have been a gift that you were born with. But sometimes people have these gifts and they don't discover them till you know, later on in life. Right. Really good question. So I often tell people that my voice found me at six years old. In mm. church, specifically, this is Dundas Street Church of God, way back when. And uh, my sisters, the baby of nine, and so the seven girls, and my sisters used to bring me to choir practice. Um, the near, the closest age to me is ten years older than me, and then there's twenty years older than me. So I was like, I don't know if my parents planned, but they it didn't seem like they really had a plan when I mm-hmm. came around the bed. But um, they had to drag this little baby basically with them. The choir practice. My sister would have been sixteen. My other sister would have been twenty six. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I was there and just soaking it in. And one day, um, like I just knew, I just knew the music. I actually have great memories of that. Sitting in the pew, you know, I had my cabbage patch. Sometimes I'd have my kangaroo book reading or coloring, and but the songs would just go into my system. It's almost like how animals could you speak whatever language to an animal, and they seem to understand. Same thing mm-hmm. with and so there was a song, "Oh, It Is Jesus" by Shirley Caesar. And uh, I remember asking my sister, could I, could I sing it? Because they let me, I want to sing, you know, let me try. And um, <laughs> let me try. <laughs> and they thought it would be kind of cute to have a child, you know, be featured as the solo. And I remember the feeling of the voice that came out of me more than the sound. Wow. And that's how you know that music is truly vibrational, like energy, it's power, it's so divine and so I was six and I remember from that point on I would actually take my voice to school with me as show and tell on Fridays 
So, you know, wow. instead of bringing my dolls, I would sing every Friday, right, right up, right through elementary school. I didn't bother bringing toys. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, if there was one gift I wish God had given me, that would be to be able to sing. And yeah, <laughs> even as I'm saying this, I'm, I have to, I, it's like there's a small part of me inside that wants to laugh out of nervous laughter. But there was, okay, and I'm, I'm going to see if you remember this. So there was an encounter. I'm going to say it was a few years back where Emily Mills did the 150 Black women. And we were in that space, you know, taking beautiful photos and videography. And we ended that day where you got us all to stand in a circle and hold hands. And mm-hmm. you started singing this little light of mine and you wanted each person in the circle to, I guess, sing a line in the song in front of everyone else. And my entire life, like I said, if there was one gift I wish I could have, it would be the gift to sing. And I know I cannot sing. Like I can, in the shower, I can sing. (laughs) That is the only place the acoustics are good enough where I can hear myself and not scream. But so when you went around it and in my head, I think, there's a part of me at that point where we're all evolving, but at that point I was still trying to discover my own voice as a person. And as each woman is going around singing a line from this little light of mine inside of me was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to sing out loud. I have to sing out loud. Oh my God. And when it got to me, I don't even know what came out. I don't recall the sound, but I couldn't wait for my turn to be over. (laughs) Oh, but I, I <laughs> but I wanted to bring that up because <laughs> I think your voice is just so beautiful. And when I hear it, it makes me feel good. It shifts my energy. And I was so nervous in that moment. I couldn't even enjoy really? that experience to the full extent because the anxiety inside of me was like... <laughs> Oh my I just goodness. think it's it's hilarious how sometimes we view ourselves but like I said I admired your voice so much and then for me to sing in front of you I was like what is happening right now <laughs> oh my gosh stop it I'm, you know that's I'm glad you shared that because sometimes I think because singing is it's like, like speaking for me I tend mm-hmm. to think everybody let's just do it be comfortable mm-hmm. like why not sing mm-hmm. you know and so I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a lot more considerate in fact but I think by putting a kind of volunteer telling people to to do things. But um, but I'm glad you should. How did you feel after though? How did you feel after? Did you feel any I mean, liberation or did you feel like, <laughs> like what what happened? <laughs> it's funny. I've told that story a couple of times about how that experience made me feel. But I mean, that's me getting over my anxiety. Like I battle with anxiety a lot. Um, And that was one of those moments where I had a choice. I could have had a panic attack or I could have participated and I participated. I don't recall what it felt like my, I was, you know, with my heart rate going so fast and so much happening in my head. Um, I don't, I can't recall what it felt like in that moment other than that. (laughs) But I know that I was proud of myself for actually like not bolting. There was right. a part of me that in situations like that, I would just be like, I gotta go to the bathroom and disappear for a second. So I don't have to have a turn. But I yeah, I I was proud of myself for participating. So thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's talk about how you've been able to thrive after multiple traumas, including child sexual abuse. Like how have you been able to heal and turn your pain into purpose? 
That's a really good question. So a few years ago, probably 2015, so like five years ago, um, I'm, a, I'm a Christian woman. And so, the, you know, I, I speak about God often, mm-hmm. in fact. Yep. And so um, the Lord laid on my heart, shame the shame. It was just like, it was impressed on my heart. So much so I actually made a tank top just for me. Didn't sell mm-hmm. them nothing. I have it in my and it was it, the discernment was you take the power out of shame by speaking about it. And so that's when I, I as far as child sexual abuse, I, I thought about well, my niece. I was like, I wonder if it happened to my niece. So my sister mm. passed away. She's a boy and a girl. And uh, so we raised them as a tribe. And so I right away I was like, I wonder if this happened to my athlete. Find to say her name, Chantel. I wonder. And I called her. But this time she was like, grown woman now. And mm-hmm. so I told her what happened. I told her what happened to me before asking if it happened to her. And thank God it didn't. But she said, Auntie Julie, we, we, you know, we, this, this woman that's 10 years younger than me, 11 years, she said, Auntie Julie, we have to tell mom. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? I got, I felt even now I felt the terror. Like, what do you, what do you mean? I was, I was so scared. I didn't tell anybody right until I was 33 years old. I carried mm-hmm. that with me from 13 to 33, basically. And so we always had Sunday dinner. And uh, she said, she just, she just bossed me up. <laughs> honor the spirit, honor the spirit in, the, in, in the children and the young, the young people, because the spirit has no age. And it's like right. she was being channeled. Right. And she said, that Sunday, this Sunday, let's tell mom, I'll hold your hand. She held my hand under the table. Unreal. I told my mom, and my mom cried, and my mom then she turned into hardcore Jamaica. Oh, if you told me I would have been in jail, I would have killed him. I would have chopped him up. And then she started to laugh because my mom turned into gangster boo on the spot. Um, <laughs> so that, that liberated me by telling my family. It was, almost, it was harder to tell my family than to speak. To, I've told now 10,000, 100,000, I told the world. Mm-hmm. But it was harder to tell my family. So when I got that power, I took the power from telling my family and brought it to the platform. I was like, all right, you know what? If I can share, I'll set captives free. And so that's where, that's where I started to set the captives free. But the whole, the whole notion was I used, it, it, it came through a biblical scripture in the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 13, that the whole love is patient, love is kind, you know, it, it's not rude and not angry. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing that many of us quoted our whole life. But there's a part of the scripture that says, it keeps no record of being wronged. And typically we don't get to that part. Mm-hmm. Stop a little bit earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went on a, on a mission and every keynote that I did, every time I spoke, you know, the churches started calling. Interestingly enough, I ended up, God is so good. He put me in pulpits. All of a sudden I was like preaching. Mm, I love yes. behind the scenes. Right. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to preach off of the Corinthians and I'm going to share my story of forgiveness and it, mm-hmm. it was based on keeping no records of being wrong and so that's how I was able to thrive and and I wrote a letter to the man who did I mean he was a younger boy at the time but you know that little boy still lives in that big man so I wrote a letter and at first it wasn't easy I wrote the letter and I sent it and I it was a close family friend so I spoke to his family and then they thought I was trying to do it to get publicity I was like well who really does wow like really you the know, victim shaming has so always been amazing to me. Next level. Next level. Oh, she must be writing a book and she must be 
and all types of mm. stuff. Three-way calls were coming in. Like, it was unreal. I was just like, okay. But I had my family. My family had my back. And that's all that mattered most, right? And right. so I re- and realizing, okay, hurt people, hurt people. I wouldn't choose what happened to me, but I actually wouldn't change it, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's really given me the opportunity to to help and to serve and to go get certified as a coach and to really coach from a place of experience rather than textbook. You know what I'm right. saying? So right. It's really been it's been good. Yeah. First of all, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Thank you. And I I find almost every woman who has come on and shared how they've been able to walk in their purpose. It was birthed from pain. And there was a woman who had reached out to me a few years ago when I was sharing transparently something about something that happened to me online. And she messaged me with the Bible verse and was telling me, you know, you're going to be okay. Your pain birthed your purpose. Just use this to move forward. So I love how you've owned your story and, you know, first shared it in the comfort of your inner circle with your, you know, your family, and then took that to another level to help to serve and to make other people know that they're not alone and to open up conversations. And when you spoke at the beginning where you said your the quote about shame the shame, that makes yeah. me think of uh, Brene Brown has a quote where she says, shame loves secrecy and mm-hmm. keeping it in the dark is what the shame loves. And I guess that's mm-hmm. also a part of my mission to shed light on the things that most people want to tuck under the rug to open up those conversations so that there is less shame and so that people like yourself or anyone that can relate or is dealing with any kind of trauma alone, they no longer feel isolated. You know, they, they feel a sense of support or there's a sense of community because they're not alone. So thank you for sharing your truth because there are so many women that need to hear. And as much as our stories may be about us, they're not only for us and there are a lot of women who sit in silence or in secrecy or in private feeling ashamed of what happened to them. And right. they're building a, a narrative that it was their fault or they, what, whatever it was um, that they're, they're building. But when they hear women like yourself, women who are still out here inspiring, women are, who are still out here breaking glass ceilings and forging your own path and doing all these amazing things and to know the things that you've been able to overcome I think these are the stories that matter most because your strength and your resilience is not, it's not to be taken lightly, but it's like people may look at all of your successes and assume her life must've been perfect. And then they hear your truth (laughs) and they're like, wow, okay, if she can do it, then I can do it too. Or there's a possibility or hope for me to do it too. So thank you for sharing your truths. Absolutely. I changed all of my, my twos to throughs. So I think it didn't happen to me. It happened through me. Everything mm. I changed, I changed it from the twos to the throughs. And once it's going through my channel, people could tune into my channel now. Mm-hmm. And they can choose to tune into my channel. You know, it's really able, it allowed me to soften and, and really embrace my femininity and being a woman and being delicate, being fragile even, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> I have to take off that armor. Like, you know what? Yes. I mean, have it come through. The, let, let go of the resistance. So it could actually flow through me. And, and people could, to your point, people could, could benefit from it. So thank you so I, much for this opportunity. I, I love the part where you said to, to flow through you. Because what I learned from my mentor, Bob Proctor, is when we talk about 
we are inspired by someone. The word inspired comes from in spirit. So people who are inspired by you, they're, they feel connected to you and you using your story. It's like they're essentially living through you to be inspired or to connect. So I love that the wording that you use for that. I would like to know what inspired you to start 100 Strong and Sexy? Girlfriend, well, <laughs> my, my yeah, my my best friend, my mom, my matriarch, the beloved Agatha Gordon, passed away suddenly six months into getting a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Passed away. I mean, with the beautiful eighty-one years. So I, I definitely am grateful that uh, she lived a long, full life. However, I, though I lost my sister when I was twelve, Sharon, and I'm a twin, so you know my brother. Wow, didn't I did not know that. A few, uh, yeah, he didn't live, but like a few days. However, being a lone twin, I've researched that a lot of the separation anxiety and staying in bad relationships, all of that as a result of being in the womb with this boy for nine months and having a relationship with my brother that's not here on earth. So. Um, but when mom ends up getting sick and passing away, that's, that's something I, I, I can't even put into words. And so, but I remember it goes I, to your point about being in spirit. I've always been a discerning child, spiritual thing to my, my parents and family have always told me that that's the gift of energy and spirit. And to the point where sometimes it'd be like, I'm like, I feel something in here. They're like, go to your bed. You don't feel nothing. I'm like, I feel something. In here. <laughs> <laughs> There's something in here. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't let this grief pin me down. I was, don't let don't let anything pin you down before you decide to get up. Don't let grief pin you down before you decide to get up. Don't let depression, anxiety, don't let obesity, don't let any of it pin you down before you decide mm-hmm. to get up. And I was like, all right, okay. I know that positive motion equals positive emotion. I've been saying it for a long time. I've been working yeah. out for pretty much my whole life. I was athlete for my whole life. But this has to be intentional. And there's a guy, uh, Gary something, Fire God or something. He's one of those. He's in the secret in the video. I forgot his name. Anyway, mm-hmm. he was talking about just dispelling the myth about 21 days to form a habit. It's like, no, 21 days forms the cell. 66 days forms the habit, according to the new research. Maybe they'll do some other research. Mm-hmm. But as of, as of now, 21 days forms the cell. But you got to go 66 days for it to become a habit. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm forget 66 days I'm going 100 and I remember I'm on my way to Vancouver with my band and literally I'm sitting there I'm like you know I was declaring in my mind I'm strong and I'm sexy I'm strong and I'm sexy it just, yes. it's on repeat on repeat I'm strong and I'm sexy and, and I remember that about a year before that because uh, I had turned vegan and I had trimmed off and you know lost a lot of weight or sorry I released a lot of fat I don't believe in losing weight because anything right. you lose, you want to find. You want to find. You don't want to go look right. for it. Right. The brain is programmed right. to find it and sometimes hey. add on more. <laughs> hey, hello. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, Stephanie, no thanks. I remember um, that I was like, you know what? Okay. This is the time now to go these 100 days. Like, make it just go 100 days radical. And my, my, band, uh, my band member and friend, Alex, he said, okay, well, why don't you take some people with you? Just put on social media for one day. I'm like, okay, cool. So 56 women signed up and I turned it into like a literally like, okay, work out seven days, eat well, do a pick collage. I'm running it all by myself, by the way. Send it to me mm-hmm. by Sundays. If you don't send me your collage, you're kicked out. Like literally, like you're kicked out. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, of the 66 women, 47 women completed it. They're off insulin, wow. off thyroid pills, off antidepressants, marriages rekindled, people left a marriage. Left a marriage. Wow. But yeah, just right in 100 days, in 100 days of being purposeful, intentional, really knowing, being where your feet are every day. You knew exactly where your feet were going to be every second of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was, it, was, it was unreal. And of course, the grief started to lift. I'm like, I'm exercising, I'm feeling good. And, I'm, and then service. So in the serving, my grief started to lift as well. Mm-hmm. And fast forward six cycles later, over 700 women that's gone through the program were in cycle six. Wow. And it's... There's a, there's, now there's a book club, there's a vegan club, you know, there's all types of like, there's prayers on Monday morning, like everything that I do in my personal life, yeah. I've just turned it into the, the curriculum of 100 Strong and Sexy, you know, I'm always reading, I've been running a, a prayer group since 2015 on Zoom, so we have wow. a prayer club, like everything is, you know, it's just unreal, and so I'm just so, so grateful that to your point earlier, turning your, your pain into purpose. Like, mm-hmm. all right, pain, let it propel you. Let it be the rocket launcher. You know what I mean? But you have to surrender. That's the thing. I had to surrender and be light enough to allow God to really use me, channel me, bend me, but not break me. Yes. You know? I love yeah. how you've taken, like you said, all the experiences in your life and turned that into the curriculum for 100 Strong and Sexy. And I think that you being vulnerable and you having the courage to openly share what you're going through is what is needed. And that in itself, creating the communities and it builds a life of its own. Because like you said, you know, book clubs and prayer clubs and all kinds of things evolve from it. But that all stemmed from you making the decision to be vulnerable and be open and have the courage, even just to put it on social media. So again, thank you for that. Thank you. I want to take a moment to talk about your Broadway performance in Carolina Change. I had the the blessing of seeing it on opening night. So thank you for that. I want to say, I mean, like I said, I've always admired your voice as a singer, but your performance in Caroline or Change gave me goosebumps. I definitely shed a couple tears. It was so beautiful. And I just want to say, like, congratulations. You did an amazing job. But what was that experience Thank like you. for you? Huh. Let's put it this way. I take, I take my dog on walks, a night walk. And almost every night, I still sing the closing number, which is Locke's wife. Mm-hmm. And that was the number that pretty much, like, I felt Caroline's life really, like, I was immersed really deep into her life. And it's a lot to have your listeners really they, it's not a lot of context right now mm-hmm. but what i will say is that 14 months before february 16th the musical stage company chose me hey we see you someone saw me in their production called uncovered and that was soon after my mom had passed away and i went into that production with no entourage i didn't know anybody it's it's, it's music it's the world of musical theater and i intentionally said I'm ready for a new space, a new world, a new challenge. I need to be uh, very juvenile. I want to not be the the smartest one in the room. I want to be the least experienced. 
and go in as a student and really mm-hmm. learn the discipline and respect the craft, you know? And so in that, the director was in the audience one day and said, she's Caroline. Like literally just said, that's our Caroline. He knew nothing about me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it because when they asked me to be Caroline, I said, no, I said, I'm, I had all types of limiting beliefs. I, my vocal cords, were they were failing me. In fact, um, wow. I had to have two surgeries before and they didn't know. I'd even tell them about the surgeries until wow. after the surgeries were done. And it was a faith walk. Like you wouldn't believe I said to them, if I say yes, I need somebody to dedicate 12 months to the musical director and the director because I want to work on Caroline for one full year. One full year. There's not paid. Not paid to do this. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were, I was paid from January <laughs> to the end of mid-February. We started, that was January 2020 to mid-February. That's the pay cycle. I started December 2018. Wow. For, for the February 2020 debut. And getting to know that high performance mindset, like really immersing myself into the sleep discipline, the food discipline, the vocal discipline. Like I hadn't, I was being, I was being cocky with my voice. I was being cocky with my talent, which mm-hmm. is why I was injured. I didn't train. I didn't warm up. I, I said, I just did it. I, I had been singing, even though I'd be, Husky for like two days after that was I I developed a bad habit mm-hmm. that I had to unlearn, you know. And then when they told me they weren't going to lower the notes or transpose them to my range, that I had to train up. That was it. I was thinking Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, like I Wayne Gretzky. I literally was like, okay, you know, Usain Bolt. This is the Olympics. I went mm-hmm. in my mind. I was training for the Olympics, vocal Olympics. And that's why the delivery was that because I didn't perform it. I became, mm. and I think that's, that's a message with so many people in, in life. Like we need not perform in our lives. Yeah. Who do you need to, to become? become? We could be, you need to become. Yeah. And so I, I became Caroline Thibodeau and that woman, when I think about it, the character was 39 with four kids divorced. At a 1963 Louisiana, where women weren't divorcing husbands that were abusive. No, no, you stayed. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. she could barely read. She was taking care of her family for thirty dollars a week. Like all these things, I, I sat and I said, "How would I really feel if that were my life?" I, I the tears are right now behind my eyes because I really said, "How would I feel if I if I was taking care of four kids on thirty dollars a week? How would my mom feel?" Right, the domestic. And so it changed my life to this day. Changed my life. I don't. I'm so happy because I found joy. My joy bank is full. I didn't realize my joy bank was depleted. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was on overdraft. I was I was running on empty, and that thing re it filled my joy bank because I had a focus and a responsibility. Caroline and every other domestic past and present. There were people coming in, whether you're from the Philippines or Africa or wherever, that are taking care of other people's children, taking them on vacation, gone to the to the five star resort as the nanny, and your your kid could barely even go on a school trip when you go home because you're just mm-hmm. trying to make it work for your family. So wow. really, 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 it changed my life. Let's put it that way, completely. I have goosebumps right now. Woo. When I tell you 
this is why our stories are so important because me sitting down and being an observer of that performance, like I said, like I had tears, I had so many emotions, your voice was powerful, your acting was powerful. It was, it was amazing. But even just in you even answering that question, the many lessons that I heard even within that, that anyone can relate to no matter what their circumstances are. And the first thing I heard was, who do you need to become? Because we all have these aspirations in life of what we want to do, but we're not committed to doing what it takes to get there. We are not committed uh-huh. to saying, who do we need to be right now to get to that version of ourselves that we want to be? And what I hear in your story is true dedication, first of all, in you putting in the work a year before even getting paid for the work, you committing to that. And when you said in the beginning, you know, your own limiting beliefs that you said no, and it was a total faith walk. As soon as you said that, that triggered a memory for me where funny enough in 20, I remember what year it was now, I think it was 2018, when I ran for MPP in the provincial elections, I had my own limiting beliefs and originally said no. And thanks Mm -hmm. to a mutual friend of ours, Lisa Washington, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have even ever thought to go through with something like that. So it was a total faith walk for me. But just hearing your strength in your story of that one experience, that inspired so much inside of me, confirmed so much inside of me. And this is like the reason why I do this podcast, because hearing your story and your truth, it wakes up things in other people that they may not have been aware of or recognized. So you being transparent about how you felt because there are some people who are in certain positions that we see as super shiny and beautiful, but they don't share the part where they had the self-doubt or the limiting belief or, you know, right. that they had to put in the work without pay. So your your truth is so refreshing and relieving to me. Like I said, I got goosebumps right now and I'm trying not to even get out of breath because I know I can be a very emotional person. <laughs> I'm trying to stay out my feelings. <laughs> Girl, I'm all up in the field. I'm a such a Scorpio. Like, oh my God. I just show it. Some, some keep it in, I just show it all. But I'm such a Scorpio. Not that, uh, such a <laughs> wow. Okay, so what inspires okay, you too. the most about what you do? I would say seeing the direct, like, result, the instant result of people being able to help someone's emotion or mindset shift. Like, I feel like it's really, it's, oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, a friend of mine, that one of my mentors said, what you do, it, it shifts atmosphere. Mm. And it's like, oh, that's what, to have that, to be able to be channeled and used in that way, to be medicinal. Music is medicinal. And that's, mm. I'm, I feel so blessed and so privileged to be able to be have been given this gift. That's why I'm, I really, especially since going through the Caroline process, like I'm, I'm really, really, I'm being more responsible. You know, and, and so I, I love that about it. And I love people. I'm a mm-hmm. total dot connector. Music connects people. Music mm-hmm. is like sports. It connects the whole world, you know. Um, I realized that it's, it's really made me into a bridge. That's why I got this tattoo on my arm. And I, I said, I'm a bridge big enough for everyone to cross. That's, that's my lot in life, to, wow. be, to, be a, to be a bridge. And it is big enough for everyone to cross. Let me take you. Yeah, you, you have faith. Come, let's go to fear. You have obesity. Let's go to fitness. You have sadness. Let's go find some happiness. You know, like this. Hey, because when I think about a bridge, it just takes you from one place to the next. And sometimes that's all somebody needs. 
someone to just grab their hand and not tell them this is what you got to do. Just walk them over. Walk them over. Doesn't matter how many times I got to Like Harriet Tubman, how many times did she go back to free slaves? Same thing. Just go, hey, come on, let's go. Because in that walk, I'm also gaining my steps. I'm also hearing somebody's story. I'm also being reminded of the gift and the blessing of, of life and opportunity and restoration and redemption. That, you know, like all of those things. You know, and he's like, yo, we grace, 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 grace. There's a scripture that says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's in one of the Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But anyway, ultimately, it's like, if I get grace, I have to give grace. I get grace every single second of the day. Mm. Who am I not to give grace? You know, <laughs> woo, goosebumps, girl. Listen, <laughs> when you talked about the bridge and you being a bridge, and now I'm going to try not to get emotional. Woo, okay. <laughs> you, you spoke at Emily Mills, How She Hustles, Mother's Day event and you shifted that atmosphere for me and you were a bridge in that moment and I'll tell you no word of a lie if you listen to I think we're probably at almost 80 something to 90 episodes of the of the show but at least 20 times I have referenced a quote that you said oh at God. that event <laughs> at that event you said your disability is your ability that's right And there was a time where it was an insecurity of mine where I had a hard time being the only one in the room. So whether it be the only black woman or the only black person or the only like whatever it is. And for me, that used to be an insecurity. And I used to, I guess, doubt myself and the imposter syndrome where do I belong in this room or should I be here? And after hearing you say that, that your disability is your ability I have been in rooms after that where I was the only, and I went from, because you gave me that bridge from being insecure to confident. And I looked Mm -hmm. at me being in that room as I am special and I do deserve to be in this room. And I would, it was like, I almost attracted people coming over to me and asking me who I am and what I do because I am the only black woman in the room or the only black person in the room. Because in in their mind, they're like, well, you must be special because you're the only one of you here. (laughs) (laughs) It was that quote from you that gave me that confidence. So it was that bridge. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Well, I have to thank my sister, my sister, MJ, uh, Maria Mm -hmm. Jamila, because she was born with a disability called Mm -hmm. arthrogryposis. And so... But, you know, like kids, going back full circle to talk about kids and animals, like I didn't, I didn't see my sister as having a disability. I was, she was, I was born 10 years younger than her. And that's not as normal for me, right? Mm-hmm. So until I got to that age of understanding where she explained, that's why I love my sister, she'll explain her disability, that she was born with it and what, the webbing of the feet and da, da, da. But it never stopped her. And so growing up, she always, she took the dis out of disability and focused on ability. Right. Always. Always, and I'm, I'm actually shivering right now because I watched her swim. She, not just watch. She put me on her back. She doesn't have the use of her legs. She only can use her arms. She wears braces, and she mm-hmm. swim with me on her back. Okay, like eight years old, six years old, no life jacket, just confident, just going like a dolphin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I watched her. So there's deeper stories on that as far as what my mom, how my mom instilled in her and our whole family that no, no. 
government wants to put you in special school, you're not special needs. You don't have a mental disability. You're going to regular school. You're right. taking TPT bus. You're <laughs> like she put yep. it. This is what it's gonna be, okay? And so full circle, yeah. Your your abilities are always found. In fact, even more heightened in that thing that we think is a disability or a disadvantage. Yeah, that's where we can really we we dip from that well. That's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with? Uh, I can't remember her last name right now, but she goes by Unstoppable Tracy. No, no. Okay, so Tracy is a woman who uh, she's also uh, from Toronto, uh, government housing. She was born with no arms and no legs. And Tracy's mom, from she was little, showed her that she could do everything that people with all their limbs could do. And when she started school, the school didn't want to take her because they felt that she was going to be too much of a burden. And quick story, but when her mother left her on the first day of school because she had argued and pleaded with the principal that my child is coming to a regular school, she deserves to be here, she had told Tracy from she was little, no man gets left behind. And on her first day of kindergarten, at the end of the day, <laughs> her mom came to pick her up and asked the principal, you know, how she did and if she could stay. And the principal said that she didn't make it out for recess. And I guess at first they thought that she was inside because she something that she couldn't do for herself. Come to find mm-hmm. out that. Tracy stayed back and helped everyone in her class tie their shoes so they could go outside. So by the time, yeah. So, and remember no limbs, she has no arms, no legs. So by the time she had helped everybody tie their shoes to get outside, recess was over. So her strength and her ability and what she has been able to do, she has won all kinds of awards and being like the only woman to win like speed race, competitions and all kinds of things she's done some amazing things i'm gonna follow but, her yeah wow. you have to follow her unstoppable tracy she's Thank an amazing you. human being you know what I'm come on look <laughs> at that. come on yeah look. so <laughs> here's another thing that I, I think i get very emotional when things connect to my spirit but i watched your ted talk and mm. i think i sent you an email on it but when i watched it i got through the first minute and then i had to stop because i got emotional And I had to go back and finish watching it the next day when I was ready for it. And the reason why I got emotional was first, you began singing at your TED Talk, This Little Light of Mine. So it it brought back the memory from the 150 Black women uh, that experienced where you made us sing. And secondly, because of the dedication to your mother. And I admire anyone who can go through struggle and grief and still carry on the way that you do. Your perseverance, like I said, is very, very admirable to me. And knowing that a lot of people look to me for my resilience, but I look at women like you for your perseverance, it's like watching your TED Talk gave me goosebumps. Thank you. And I know that you spoke on that, that you've always wanted to be on that stage. So what was it like? for you to be able to do that TED Talk? How did that feel? <laughs> well, that TED Talk on that day, November 29th, I think it was 2018, was special because it was a one-year anniversary uh, that my mom passed away. However, mm-hmm. that 
almost, that wasn't the original date. So to make a long story short, I was booked to do the TED Talk. The Jeannie Becker thing happened. A lot of people don't know what that is, but they can Google it. <laughs> and then the person programming that TED Talk went, got into a massive car accident. So someone, which was a black woman, a white woman took over. This is, I'm saying this race for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then decided to take me off the bill without telling my agent or I, myself. We hit them up saying, okay, we didn't get the package. What's going on with the information? And they're like, oh, we're, you know, they're, we're not really comfortable keeping Julie on the bill based on what happened with the, the Judy Becker situation. And so, so they took me off. And I, so then I went on my Instagram saying, okay. And I was gracious. The post is still up. And I just shared the experience. And I was like, huh, okay, well, this is what's happening. If you're expecting me to be at TED, I'm not going to be there. But I tagged the big TED and I tagged the TED here. And so then they asked, mm-hmm. they said, okay, well, we'll put her on the bill if she takes off her Instagram post. And I said, well, no. then I'm definitely not doing it. That's fine. And so the date originally was December 8th. And then they came back and said, so then the, the original lady who was, who was you know, in, in recovery heard about it. She didn't even know that I was taken off. She didn't know I was taken off the bill. And then um, wow. said, no, I'm going I'm to fight to get you back on. I said, okay, whatever. At this point, I've been totally surrendered to life, right? I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. And then when they came back saying, okay, yeah, they want me on. Now, hood girl was like, bun that. This is too much. I don't even <laughs> want to do it anymore. Bun all right. of you. Right? Hood, hood girl, what do you want to date? Still shows up sometimes. Okay. <laughs> 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 and then they said, there's been a, but there's been a date change. And I said, I'll wait. Okay. I said, let me know what the date is. And I talked to my big sister, MJ, same one there. And, and I told her, and she's like, you know, what do you think mom would say? And I said, okay, mom would want me to go do it. Of course she, she doesn't. Mom, that was mom. Go do it. Mm-hmm. Represent. Mm-hmm. Don't make people take you out of your character. And then it was November 29th. And I felt like that was mom draping me up, like boxing me up from heaven. Like, listen, go do the thing. Cause it's the exact mm-hmm. date. The anniversary is the anniversary, you know. So, mm-hmm. so it felt even more special because it was that day, and that that's why my talk was about being revealed because that's what life does. You know, occurrences and situations they don't they don't make us; they reveal. They reveal that true character. Right. If you say you you know you get to the, you have to get an apple apple juice from from squeezing an orange. No, people say they're loving, but then they get squeezed. Life squeezes them. And all this venom comes out. Okay, so really, who are you in there? What's going on? You gotta fix mm-hmm. up, fix up, and figure figure that out. Because walking and living some other being, you know, I often, I often say God can't bless who you pretend to be. So right. at the end of the day, <laughs> you wonder why your blessings ain't coming now. Well, that he doesn't recognize that person. That is right. I have a, a I guess a, a two part question based on the story you just shared because a lot of the listeners sent in some questions through Instagram and they all wanted to know about your experiences with racism, specifically with the Jeannie Becker incident that happened. And the other part of the question is in relation to your mom. So maybe I'll, I'll get you to touch on that experience first before I go into asking about your mom. Mm. So racism, I didn't realize I experienced racism as an adult until that situation, that Jeannie Becker situation. As a kid, the N-word, I remember I was on a, a special called um, The First Time I Was Called on Global with Farah. 
And Mm -hmm. I had to dig into, I realized that I actually kind of, I guess my subconscious or whatever, I just forgot about this one occurrence where um, a child looked at my foot and and looked at, and you know, my foot bottom is lighter than my, the top Mm -hmm. of my foot. There's that little kind of like line thing. Mm-hmm. And he started to call me monkey and like, oh, you have monkey feet. And I was like, never look at my feet. Even now I'm looking at my foot. I'm like, wow, who's really going to look at the line on someone's foot when we were kids? And then, you know, so that was one incident. And then on the TTC bus, this woman called me a nigger bitch. And so wow. I was like, wow, you didn't choose one. You didn't call me one or the other. You called me both. Okay, oh. that's what we're doing. You know, uh, and then fast forward to whether it was denied opportunities, which I didn't realize it was kind of like a racism thing. But the G.B. Becker occurrence, I realized that it was more so, if I go to the backstory of getting on the show, Canada Reads, which is, okay, I'm like, wow, okay, great. I'm going to read these five books, books that I wouldn't have normally chosen. But I had, it, it came to me, I, I can't say that it's doctrine, but it, it, a good source told me that everybody else, all four other contestants got to read three chapters of each book uh, and then choose the book. But they gave me a book on Indigenous rights. And so as the only mm-hmm. Black woman, like person of color on the show, so I'm like, huh, okay. They gave me ind- the Indigenous story not and not giving me any choice. I said, okay. Um, all right. Well, this is what it's going to be. So I go hard, learned it. I was able to defend it, defend it. it just it went, I really had a great time. And so though my book, there's gameplay because it's a TV show. So one lady said, oh, I'm not going to vote you off. Anyway, they're voting me off. So whatever, semifinals. And it's my turn to say why my book should, like for me, I'm like, the book should still be in school, should be a part of the curriculum. I learned a lot about residential school and indigenous stories. And even right now as a grown up, I know that I didn't know enough. And mm-hmm. as I'm telling my part, I'm, you know, the Jeannie Becker cuts me off and goes into this whole why, you know, what I, when I basically say, hey, it's my, I, this is actually, I have the floor, like literally the host gave mm-hmm. me the floor it came to the, why are you attacking me? And that changed my whole, that whole phrase confirmed to four months prior, my mom passed away. And from that point, I I said, my mom's last breath became my first breath. I never knew that I'd even be able to experience that, witness that, care for her, be with her in her last breath on ever on earth. And to go into the rest of my life, I knew I was going to always be where my feet are. I walked into CBC that day and I said, Julie, be where your feet are. Feel the ground under your feet always. Mm-hmm. And that day, the Pope decided, he told Prime Minister Trudeau, he did, they're not issuing an apology to the Canadian indigenous community, even though they said they apologized to, to the Americans and all kinds of stuff, right? And so I didn't realize until that moment that I was like, this is a real racial thing. That when mm-hmm. a black woman is bold and smart and well spoken and confident and 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 then now it's a it's an attack. Mm-hmm. And so rather than react, because I decided to be where my feet were, I was able to hear it, it came in, process it, and respond. And mm-hmm. so that was my message, especially to the black community, that hey. Let's not react anymore. Let's respond. Take a pause. Because what I did in that moment, and I didn't plan it clearly, I said, did anybody hear me say Jeannie Becker? I asked the question. 
And I, I use that. It's not something that I learned in school. It wasn't technical. It wasn't a technique. But now I've taken that nugget and, and it buys me time. Mm-hmm. It, it stops me from reacting when I pose a question. And so, but the main thing that came out of that for me as far as racism, I, I can really bridge it to privilege. The privilege mm-hmm. of becoming Julie Black, number one, got me on the show. The privilege of becoming Julie Black gave me that opportunity to respond to someone so powerful, for lack of a better term, as Jeannie Becker. We never had issues ever in life. Mm -hmm. We're cool, you know what I mean, and cordial. But it was David and Goliath, atmospherically and in the industry. And it was like, you know, I remember there were some other friends in the industry saying, hey, maybe you're going to be blacklisted. Maybe you're going to be, I'm like, I just buried my mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so wow. I don't know if that fully answered the question, but that was in that moment I knew that it was something that was it was I felt the history being made, I'm not gonna lie. I felt the history being made because everybody in the space there was like a there was a Yeah, because okay. your response, uh like it, it was all over my entire timeline that like clips of it went viral of you responding to Jeannie Becker. And I was like, Good for you. Like we were all cheering for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What was what was what was beautiful was was white people hitting me up. I did a whole media press junket. I had gotten sick, and when I came up for air, I saw that it went viral, and I did a whole press junket, Canada and America, even UK, that was like, let's talk about fragility, white fragility. Let's talk about white privilege. There were people saying, we got to take this to the kitchen, to the dinner table, and let's talk to our kids mm-hmm. about fragility and privilege. So. I'm I'm happy it happened. Mm-hmm. So how has losing your mother changed you? Oh, well, I remember my mom before she passed away used to say to me, because I used to call and be like, mom, I got this interview. Or I have a audition, you know, or I'm dating this guy or I want to date this guy. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> you know, and she used to say, your prayers are just as powerful. It's time to pray for yourself. I'll pray for mm. you. I'm a praying mom but your prayers are just as powerful. And in mom transitioning, I, I realized that my prayers are just as powerful, that, that my mom taught me the spirit has no age. And so I often, I feel like it's been a baton passing. Like we're on the same relay team and I'm running the anchor leg now, especially mm-hmm. as I don't have children of my own and I, I don't know if I will, but knowing that, okay, I have this as the anchor leg. I'm running the anchor leg of my own life right now and beyond you know and so there's been a lot of of letting go there's been a, a letting go of people places and things mm-hmm. detach mom mom losing mom or you know mom transitioning taught me in an instant to detach my emotional priorities changed in an instant i was in and out of this relationship you know on again off again and it was the off again, it was easy to be off again. And off, off, it was like emotional priorities instantly changed as a result of mom's blessing of, of going off, transitioning. Mm-hmm. The gift of, the, this is oxymoron, but the gift of it in her passing is that it made me realize that my life is mine. It's mine. It is my life. And so mm-hmm. to know that it's, who I invite into my life is a privilege. And the lives that, I, that people invite me into theirs is also a privilege. And some people, some of the invitations I need to send regrets. 
<laughs> in everyone's life. Mm-hmm, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> oh man, girl, I can go on and on. <laughs> you know, my, my entrepreneurial mindset, thinking about my mom's story, because writing her eulogy and uh, even having voice notes. I, I didn't know my mom was going to die. No one knew. But at the end of the day, I had 10, 15 years of voice notes and videos from my mom. And mm. so, you know, I've now started a, a, a support group called In the Arms of an Angel. And it's for pe- women who've lost one or both parents. And, you know, oh. and there are people hitting me up, women hitting me up that uh, their parents are sick right now. I said, get your phone out. Use your technology. Get the story. Yes. Come on. This yeah. Is the time. Even as you say that, well, I mean, first of all, I am deeply sorry for your loss, and I can't even imagine what it feels like to grieve a mother. And I don't know, I I don't even want to think about, obviously, we all go at some point, but I I still have both my parents, so I'm extremely grateful. Uh, But the other thing, you know, with, with you creating these movements from your pain, like, I have a girlfriend who just lost her dad just about two weeks ago, but she knew he was going to pass. They had given him one month to live. And with the quarantine, you know, she was probably a 15 minute drive from where her parents were. She was living in a condo downtown. Her parents lived in a house down by the guild, but she was concerned with putting them at risk. And I remember messaging her and saying, if they've given him one month to live, I mean, the doctors are not God. They don't know. He could live way longer, but you were quarantined at home. Do you want to risk? Yeah never seeing your dad again or having those last moments with him or, you know, staying where you are because you're afraid to put him at risk for, for COVID. And she found her way to her parents' house. And I think it was probably about two weeks. She got to take a ton of photos and videos and all Mm -hmm. kinds of moments with her dad before he passed. So I'm, you know, happy for her that she got that experience. And when you say that you, literally watched your mom take her last breath that reminds me of my sister because i've watched her take her last breath and when she passed away in 2012 thank you when she passed away in in 2012 i guess as many people as i have lost and had to grieve that was the most challenging ever in life and being able to now look back at the gifts that she's given me or blessed me with since her passing, you know, when you said that about, about your mom, like some people who don't understand or haven't lost a dear loved one may not even understand until it happens to them. Mm-hmm. But many of the people that I've spoken to that have lost somebody close to them, they were showered with blessings after that passing. And, and it's, and I guess it's up to us to take the lessons from it and to be aware of the blessings. But yeah. For me, my sister was my voice because I was so introverted. I wouldn't even go to the store to return something without her. <laughs> you know, if, if I had if I had a grievance with my own mother, I wouldn't bring it to I would bring it to my sister and she would be like my lawyer and represent me. She was my voice. And losing yeah. her, I was forced to speak for myself. I was forced to find my own voice, which is what launched I guess the life that I have now of speaking my truth and writing books and having a podcast all of this came as an evolution of me grieving her and the blessings that she left me after that see that's it yeah same my sister died when i was young and i was too scared to sing at her funeral i was like 13 and 
I went through, I was young, but still, I went through, like, that whole kind of, like, guilt thing for a hot second. But then I was like, again, I would love my sister to be here, clearly. But Julie Black, who, like, that, the artist Julie Black was birthed from Sharon passing away. Sharon, was, she would always sing, but she painted. So she, so music was her secondary talent. But she mm-hmm. always would sing. And then I, I always said my sister left me her voice. She left me her voice. She left me her voice. And, and I was on a mission to represent that singing voice that she never wanted to use. She sang better than me, but she wow. didn't think she was a singer because she loved visual art. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's wow. amazing. Wow. Yeah. So what's one thing that most people don't know about Julie? Ooh, what's one thing that most people don't know about Julie? I'm, I'm a softie. Very, very, very soft. Very soft. Like, I think, uh, you know, people look at my size, my stature, my confidence, all that stuff. And think that Julie, she's I right. like even to the point where I had to tell some of my my friends and even family like, hey, give me a call sometime. Well, <laughs> I'm like, hey, give me a call. If everybody thinks I'm busy, everything I'm boss and boss. Like I don't walk around with that whole kind of like boss, be rah rah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm very, 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 very feminine. Very, very, mm-hmm. very feminine. I love being a woman. I love being a girl. Love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know. That's, See, that's what I would say. I think people forget to check on their tall. strong friends. Yeah, right? Come on. Yeah. Like, yeah does this phone ring anyway? Hey, does this thing ring? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? Even as I'm listening to you, <laughs> your best friend and catchy, oh. listening to how she speaks and listening to how you speak in this conversation, we've been talking for an hour now. I have heard so many, I'm going to say mannerisms, and you guys have been best friends forever. So I can see yeah. 24, <laughs> 24 years. That yeah. is amazing. But I, I can see and hear the similarities in you both as I'm listening to you, but you both come across as these strong, confident, energetic, all these amazing things, but you both have the soft side. I love it. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, not, it's not even a side. I'm just I'm soft. <laughs> I like like I'm soft. Like to the point where my family's like, la, yeah, cry again, la. <laughs> and then catches again. a crier too. <laughs> <laughs> I be crying. I be, I be crying. I cried on this call. I be crying, girl. I, crying. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, so I would love to know what your self care routine looks like. How do you take care of Julie? <laughs> I don't think that's a whole other one hour <laughs> podcast. Self care. So I'm really, really big on like spa type things. So like home spa, my my nebulizers going. I do roll on, like the rollies, all sage mania. You know, I'm big. Like my skincare routine is not a joke. Like it's not a lot of product. Mm-hmm. So without you when I shower and my pores are open, I'm like coconut oil, like head to toe coconut mm-hmm. oil, vitamin E under my eyes, this, that. Um, obviously, I mean, not obviously, I shouldn't say obviously. I work out. I've been working out. Egg and I met at the gym. So, you know, that's self-care. That part of it is very, very important. I enjoy cooking. I read uh, a lot. But by, by by the word of God, mm-hmm. Egg and I both even memorizing. We do. We have a Bible memorization group mm-hmm. uh, that's been going since 2014. And wow. so for... So it's 42 days and it loops around. We're in cycle 38 of 42 wow. days. So you do the math. 
and we really we really videotape and we put it in Facebook. We have a private group and we record our uh, Bible memorization every single day. Uh, mantra wow. for sure. I love yeah. Let's just let's, it's it's my for so, so my life now. Like some people might think it look here and be like, oh, that's a lot of stuff, but it's not. It's 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 my life. It's, it's your life. Yeah. In, yeah. The results are in the routine, man. People want uh, want results, but they don't. They don't want the routine. Absolutely. The results are always in the routine. Always. When you change your habits, so, you change uh, your life. That's it. I'm a girl. I love getting my nails done. My <laughs> hair got built up. You know, this whole beginning of quarantine, I was like, whoa, what is happening? Oh, that's. I, I mean, I'm gonna be very graphic. I look like I had someone in a leg lock. <laughs> like for a good little while there. like full on afro like is that a person down there oh ain't nobody down there like, oh, ain't nobody down there <laughs> I love it <laughs> wow <laughs> so I have a completely random question that I love to ask everyone that comes on the show because I came across this Reader's Digest article that it basically says your favorite type of shoe it dissects what it says about your personality so I would love to know, Julie, do you know what your favorite shoe is? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a stiletto, a wedge, a pump, a mule? I don't know. What's your favorite type of shoe? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely something. Like, I mean, I have larger feet, but it's, it's a pump. I've been wearing heels. I actually went to etiquette school when I was a kid. Whole other oh, wow. story on modeling and getting signed when I was 12. And so um, walking with books on my head, knowing what side of the stairs to go up, what side, what door, what, what hand to open the door handle is depending on what side of the door it's on like this whole other thing that was my life as a kid so so i like wearing pumps i love pumps okay. and the same thing i don't know but i'm, I'm right. a sucker for a for, for a for a pump still it's great posture even though it's bad for women it's bad for everything but uh my <laughs> posture even when i'm doing interviews and you can't see my feet i have on pumps if you can't see my feet it doesn't matter i still put the shoes on right because they make you feel good they may they may hurt a little bit when you walk, but they make you feel sexy when you have them on. That's right. That's right. Yes. Your shoulders, your your body alignment has to change when you have on pumps. Yes, has to. You can't be you're looking ghetto, ghetto and crazy hunched over and pumps. <laughs> okay, okay. So it says pump fans are boss women. So it says, be honest, pump fan, you're a total girl boss and you know it. You're competitive, resolute, and intimidating to those who can't keep up with your pace. This is the most mature of all the shoes. It's someone who's caring, efficient, and powerful. They are usually in a leadership role. And when everything is falling down around you, everyone will turn to the pump woman and say, what now? And then the pump will step in and kick ass and take care of business. We all need a pump woman to ensure a job gets done properly. Does that sound you like you? Can send me that. You <laughs> send me that. I think you should put Julianne and Dira Gordon on that. Yeah. AKA Julie Black. I'm like, that's me. Okay, that's me. Oh, okay, that's me too. Wow, I love that. Send that. <laughs> <laughs> I will send it to you. So like I don't, I don't say like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, the difference is this. I don't, I'm not one of those. I'm a declaring that I'm a boss. Cause I think for me, when you have to declare it, you don't believe it. You right. Just, I'm sick. You, right. say, you yeah. have to remind yourself, oh, I'm a boss. I'm a, uh. like that. You don't believe that. Yeah. Why do you have to convince yourself? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So hearing it, I was like, yeah, that is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you oh, are a boss. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Okay, yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at Miss M I S S Julie, Miss Julie Black, that's J U L L Y, Miss Julie Black. Twitter, which I need to visit more often, it's uh, Julie Black, J U L L Y, and Black. And then Facebook, it's same, Julie Black, J U L L Y, and Black. I have a TikTok. I haven't been, I ain't gonna lie, girl. There's so much, so much, <laughs> so to do. much. Not yeah. And TikTok. You know, but I, I spend most of my time on Instagram. I really, I, I enjoy it over there and, and Facebook. So that's where you can find me. And the website, julieblack.com. Oh, not to mention, Lord, I realize I have a lot of platforms. 100, <laughs> the number 100, right? Lord of mercy. The number 100, strongandsexy.com is the website and uh, the Instagram. Perfect. And I will have the links directly so people can connect with you in the detail section of the episode so they don't have to search too far. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just ask a couple of reflection questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. 5 a.m. Club. Okay. Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Um, okay. So I would put it in Jane and Finch, mm-hmm. my own community. And um, it would say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm. It would be for the entire community to see one of their own um, leaning on the source uh, for mm. the success. I love it. I love it. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Ooh, her name is Miranda Malafani. She's my newest best friend. She's helped me understand that you can have newer relationships with adults. The love you drink, but no new friends is not good. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, some people were basing that off seniority. It's like, no, 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 you haven't been active in my life. Uh, she really taught me how to honor my body and my health. She taught me that there's good food and there's, there's the right food. Mm-hmm. And so she's my belly boss and uh, I love her so much. She's helped extend my mom's life and with nutrition and all types of stuff. So I'm just, uh, Miranda Malafani is She's my, she's, I love her so much. Okay. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family, anything. Sex. Mm. Casual sex. Mm -hmm. Keeping it all the way real. I went celibate for three years just to to have that not master me. And meaning not just casual, meaning uh, the, the whole relationship that's really supposed to be over. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I call it spare, spare tire sex. I don't need to be your donut. Mm. And I don't need to be, you know, that's a whole other thing. I ain't not your donut. <laughs> I'm not your tire. I'm not your rental. I, I, had a, I did a private series. I'm going to bring it back called Don't Be a Rental Car with, for, for ladies. We need to go to why do people rent cars? And it's a whole other thing. I'll just wow. leave it there because it's coming back. So there's a myth about Scorpios. I only know myself. Like, I'm a Scorpio, so I can't speak on other zodiac but i were tend we were known to be sexual and sensual and all them thing there so yeah, yeah my ex-husband's a scorpio 
okay, there you go. I don't know if the men are different, but I'm like, ah, I need that not to master me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. What do you wish women would do more of? Support one another. I wish women would support one another authentically, mm. and and not just the more support like, hey, girl, we're like kumbaya, but like check us on stuff, check mm-hmm. each other. Don't 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 be that woman or that friend that's basically celebrating someone else's trial so that you can feel more triumphant. Like, right. No. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-uh. Don't, don't let your, like, and can I talk about, and Kitchi and I speak about this all the time because there was a point where I would, there'd be like new acquaintances, like new girlfriends, and she knew, and she said, it's like, you know what? Sorry, Drew, I ain't gonna lie. I wasn't really feeling that <laughs> but I wasn't sure how you, <laughs> I wasn't sure how you feel if I said, no, nah, man, don't send me out to play in the in the park with these crazy kids. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And now we have a pop. She won't, she'll tell me right away. I'm not feeling this one right away. Yeah. I love it. We, I think we all need friends like that. I have, I'm going to say three friends that I call my no BS friends that will check me on my ish and check my blind spots. And if they see me hanging with new people, they will say, mm, just, just be mindful, Mac. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah. really feeling these people. Yeah. Check the blind spot though. I love that. I'm going to say yes. that from you. Yeah. Yes. Who's in your blind spot? Who's in Lisa Washington, she, she's become, we were really, really close, and she'd be checking me on stuff. You need somebody to that's just like, that's kind of walk a few, even a few paces ahead of you that you respect. That can be like, yes. look, there's a landmine right there. You're about to lose both your legs if you jump in that, if you step in that spot. Just go around or step over, just go around. Go around. Yes. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Lisa it. Washington is, she is a rare gem. I have loved Lisa from before I even met her. And over the years, you know, you have, you have friends that you love them deeply. You may not see each other regularly or, you know, talk on the phone every day, but your respect and love for that person. And you know that like, if there's anything I can put her onto or vice versa, if I'm going through something deep, I know I can share that with her and know that, you know, that's a safe space. She has just been an amazing person and has brought so much blessing to my life in every shape or form. Like, yep. Lisa is like, I don't even want to get emotional right now, but Lisa, Lisa's the bomb. She's, and she's so she's real. And like you said, she will check you <laughs> out of love. <laughs> <laughs> like this. That's not your battle to fight. This. Yeah. You know that voice? Yeah. <laughs> not your battle to fight. God is sovereign. God. Yes. Oh, she hears it. Yes. God is sovereign. God is perfect. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> thank you so much, Julie. Honestly, thank you for for sharing your story with me. And I'm going to say me before I say us, and the, as the people in my my community are listening, because again, you know, we we oftentimes see people shining their light out there. We see people on social media, we see them wherever, and we admire their strength and their accolades from afar. But it's beautiful to hear your full story and to obviously to know that you're human, but it's like, I guess sometimes when we see people from afar doing all these amazing things, it's almost like they're unreal. (laughs) So thank you for being real. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate this, this, 
this opportunity, like really and truly, you know, to, to your point, like we'll see it. And, and I'm, I honor you and I honor you as a super mom. And I, I just, all of the, Thank all of you. what you're doing, man, really, really and truly like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a big deal. What you having, creating this space for others, as well as like for your own voice, especially mm-hmm. knowing that I learned something new about you. That you're look, your sister used to be your your amplifier, mm-hmm. and now you are amplifying our voices. That's a big deal. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com. And be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person, and I know you can think of more than one, but if you can think of one person that would receive value from hearing Julie's testimony, please share it with that friend please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag Julie at Miss Julie Black and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs>